You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. All right. Let's go ahead and um, open our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to do part 3. And if you've been with us on this series, um, I've, have, I've had some good feedback. You know, that's really what the gauge that I have. And I had a couple people this week tell me how it's helping them, you know, see some things and, and realize some things about how life works. And, you know, on the journey that I've been, you know, especially in the last couple of years, this has really, you know, had been, you know, a center centerpiece of dealings with stuff you know we all deal with life just because you get the mic just because you're the pastor it doesn't mean life doesn't come at you at 100 miles an hour like most of you have experienced in some form or fashion and you know we find a lot of the the things that i've found out that at the end of the day your if i can use it this way your mental health if i can use that statement you're you're having a healthy mind set if i can put it that way you know setting your mind on healthy thinking really comes become a struggle between understanding what your ego is and how out of control it is. Now, I'm just talking about on a, on a complete personal level. You want to check it out? Thank you, sir. Hang on. Our tech department is working. This is actually all my fault because I was messing with all the buttons a few days ago. And when you're dealing with digital com- mixers... You don't want to hit the wrong button because it'll deprogram everything. So we're good. So anyhow, going back to this idea of, of the ego pride. So we've, you know, this is three. If you haven't bought, following us, you can go back to the podcast. You can go back, of course, to Facebook um, Live and pull down the, you know, the archives. I really recommend you, you get it, especially last week. You know, if you don't have time to hear three podcasts, it really would do you good to go back. Because I'm telling you, a lot of your life issues will be resolved in this conversation. You know, a lot of you, the, the you issues, you know, you against you, you know, basically. And then we find the spiritual power. You know, where, where does it all come into why we're here this morning? You know, all of us here this morning, our online audience, those that are watching, you know, I know a lot of people are out of town and so forth. But everyone, we are here because we believe there's a spiritual angle to this. Are you here? You know, if you don't believe there's a spiritual angle to life, what are we doing here? Let's go you know do something else no we all believe there's a spiritual part and i believe it's the biggest part can you say amen i believe if you take care of the spiritual part everything else kind of just falls into place that doesn't mean you don't go through struggle that doesn't mean you don't go through difficult situations in your life that's just called life if you don't want to have difficulty in life don't live that's what jesus said right in this world you will have tribulations but then he says don't don't fear don't get overly worked up because i have overcome the world and that is really why we're here right we, you know, as soon as we walk out of those doors, we face hundreds of different challenges. You know, life comes at us. Life is very complex now, way more complex than I can ever remember when I was a kid, way more complex than I can remember even when I was a teenager, you know, what the teenagers are dealing with. I mean, life is very complicated. You know, you go out there, there's a thousand things coming. Everybody's on their phone. Everybody's got access to all the information of the planet, plus a lot of nasty things, you know. So it's a whole different, different world that we're living in. But the thing that doesn't change is that, you know, we still have to deal with life in however however fashion. And a lot of the things that modern life has brought us 
and we're not careful back to cell phones and all this technology. And I'm, and I'm a techie guy, man. I'm geeky all the way. You know, I make younger people mad at me because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not supposed to know how much stuff the ex, you know, the, what is the millennial generation know, but, you know, I can hack, I can do it, I get it all. You know, I like that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, technology, if you're not careful, it will steal a lot of your life. I'm telling you, it's stealing, stealing a lot of relationships. You know, I'll just say a couple of things. You do whatever you want to, but I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the things that I've had to really work hard in my life, and I, and I was really bad about it, but it's like everything we do here, we take something in our life and we work on it, is when somebody talks to you, this is just a little side note, I won't even charge you for this one. When somebody talks to you, just put your phone down. Hello? Let's try it again. When somebody talks to you, put your phone down. That's one of the most disrespectful things you can do to a child. Moms, dads, when your child talks to you, you put your phone down. And you look at them in the eye and you communicate. Because this business, and I've seen it too many times, I'm, I'm, I'm on something, you know. The, the kid, four or five years old, is engaging heavily with his parents. And mom is like, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. And mom, I did this, and yeah, mm -hmm, that's, that's nice, that's nice. That will come back to haunt you. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, that will come back to haunt you. When those kids grow up and you want to engage with them, and they're like, yeah. That's what, that's, that's what we don't want to do. Now, I'm, I'm going to get back to my message. Maybe that's just something we need to deal with. Really look at these things, especially if you're raising younger kids, you know, really young kids. Make sure you always engage with them. Now, going back to this, that was like a little side note there. Going back to this idea of the ego, because we really have to build into this. You know, the Bible talks a lot about this. And, you know, you could use it in an ego-driven system. That's where I'm going with this. You know, we went on off subject. You know, ego-driven system, it really is about the individual. And the more society moves forward, the more it becomes the me. A lot of the craziness we see now, you, you can have your opinion, I have my opinion, I'm not here to share my opinions, <laughs> you know, if you, don't, if you don't agree with what I have to say, that's fine, I still love you, love me back, we're still friends. But a lot of the damage that we see in society today, and this is not a religious statement, this is just a statement, is the fact that we have not, we, we, we have two generations now of, of children that have grown up and are adults now, and we have another generation of children that are coming up, and probably a third generation coming up, that they believe that the whole world owes them everything. That's just the way it is. They believe they're entitled to everything. They believe that they feel like today they're this, they're that, and, and that's why we, they, you know, they're never going to stop adding letters to the LGBTQ. That's never going to stop. Because as soon as somebody comes up and says, I feel like a frog today, they will have to add an F. Are you, are you listening to me? I know it's silly, but, it, but, but if you just let society reign itself through ego, self, all this me, you end up where we're at today. And then again, as a family, so well, how does that apply to me, Pastor? Well, here's where I'm at with it. Once you realize how all these, these things work in your life, and you begin to take control over every, you know, you work it, you're not going to walk out of this service and say, man, I got this, that was good, I got this. No, it's not. It's going to be an everyday identifying little details in your life where your little pride comes up, your little ego pops up. Because I'm telling you, we need to have this. We have to have this under control because I, I am so convinced that this is one of the major problems, not only in the church, but throughout humanity, is that people have not learned to know themselves. And not only that, they, they're, they're fueled by a system and a social system that tells you, hey, whatever you want to do, whatever feels good for you, that's okay. It's all about you. And it's not. You know, it's not about, we live in a social system. Are you here? It can never be just about us. And just wait till you get married and wait till you have kids and you'll find out how quick it's not about you. 
Amen. And then you got grandkids and you find out how much more it's not about you, right? So, you know, you really, this idea of the ego, you have to really consider it, you know, in, in the weeks that we've been here. So let's get right into it. I'm not going to spend more time on introducing it. I had a lot of... So in Second Chronicle, I mean, Second Kings chapter 5, you can just go there. Um, I want to bring up... Let me get enough stuff up here. You made it work. There you go. Thank you, sir. You know, they say if you grab a Mexican's hands, they can't talk. No sé si sea cierto, no, pero... That's it. It's over. Conversation is over. We've got to express ourselves. That's why I need wireless mics. Okay, let's get into this. All right. Um, Second Chronicles chapter 5, and I just want to read briefly, like quickly, one scripture that's been kind of the foundation for this teaching. Um, here we go. Let me get Okay, so Second Kings 5, and I want you to go down to, all the way down to verse 11, in whatever translation you like. I'm using NLT. Just I like the way it flows. It says, but Naaman... Now leprosy and through a lot of backstory there I'm not going to get to he finally ends up with the prophet okay he's always you know he's finally in front so in second kings chapter 5 verse 11 it says Naaman now anyway he goes up to the prophet he brings gifts he brings all kinds of stuff you know silver clothes all kinds of stuff and he comes up and and the very first thing that irritated him was that the prophet didn't even come and talk to him that's the very first thing because here comes Mr. Big Shot here comes Mr. Very Important Person everybody say ego Come on, y'all wake up. Y'all stay out late last night? Okay. Um, and he says, he's already fixed in his head how this is going to go. You know, he's dying. This could be his last shot at life. And he's dying, and all his money and all his wealth is not helping him. So he gets word there's a prophet in this ugly place called, you know, the nation of Israel because they had, you know, everything was, you know, lesser than we are, basically. So he has to humble himself and go to see this prophet of people that they think are lower class than they are, to start with that. So he's already managed to, you know, life is more important. But he gets at the door, and his expectations, or in other words, the ego expectations of Naaman, are, are really serious because he has an expectation. Now remember, the priority is the basis of, of the whole study. You know, we face challenges in life all day. You, you'll, you, tomorrow you'll have a series of challenges. Some of you might be severe, some of you might be light, but you'll, you'll have to make decisions, and you'll have to navigate through life in all form and fashion that it comes to you so Naam, you know and we build these ideas like this is the way it's supposed to go you know i'm supposed to get a raise i'm supposed to do this you know and, and we and we have this whole preconceived idea and all it takes is for one little thing to go off your plan and it's not enough for us to just adjust it and bring it back to something manageable we just throw the whole plan away that's ego and you forget and, and one of the things that it does is you forget the reason you were even there and that happens in church. Now, you know, this church, you know, goes through, has gone through over almost 30 years of different dynamics. But you see, you know, most of us have the same story. Maybe not all of us, but most of us came to church. I'll speak for myself. You know, grew up in church, ran from God hard and fast for 14 years. And, you know, just like I'm with God, I was in the world. You know, I was 100% in the world, 100% in God. I got that. But I come back, you know, the reason I came back to God is because my life is a mess. I mean, that's... Let's just be honest. Most of the time, somebody shows up in church is because, you know what, 
I'll just try anything at this point. You know, you get us un curandero, I'll bring you a curandero. You know, you give me, you know, whatever. People are desperate. You come for a reason. You come to church and you experience something. You experience something that maybe you hadn't experienced before. Hey, somebody prayed, something shifted. Or maybe you felt something that you've never experienced before, which, you know, we could call the new birth, whatever, the presence of God, all these wonderful things. But, you know, you came in because your life was in crisis. Can you say amen? But, you know, life got fixed or began to get manageable, and what happens? You forgot the reason you came to God. Now, once your life is a little more manageable, guess what happened? Ego starts saying, we're not really comfortable anymore. It's too cold, it's too hot, pastor preaches too long, he annoys me, I don't like his voice, da-da-da-da, Kathy sings too long, Lauro never smiles, I mean, I'm just playing with my front row, you know that, right? But, um... My other part of front row is celebrating their daughter's graduation, so I can't pick on him. If you're listening age, you got a day off. Because I always pick on him because he's always there, right? But, um, you know, and what happens? The reason you came to God is now secondary to your ego. Right? Because now you forgot how bad your life was when God came in, and now you're, you're, you're nitpicking. Well, I don't like this. I don't think they should do this this way. And the next thing is, guess what? You leave the church. But you forgot the reason you came. And the only reason you left the church, because at the end of the day, everyone in this building is imperfect, so go ahead and handle it, right? Including yours truly. We, we, you know, if you're expecting perfection from up here, you're not going to get it, because we're all imperfect. The same way I don't expect perfection from my congregation. We're not going to get it. But people have a weird way that they come into a church, God resolves, but then the next thing that comes in ego kicks in, just like Naaman. So we look at the story of Naaman, and it's very applicable today because, you see, now he's there, he knocks on the door, he's got all these gifts, you know, he already said, I'm going to bury him with gifts, I got so much stuff, so much money, there's just no way he's going to hold this healing back. So he, in his mind, he's all prepared, he knocks on the door, and he, you know, he, he expects the prophet just to come out and go, oh, you are healed, Naaman, and it's over. That's his idea of how this miracle is supposed to happen. Number one, boom, first ego, slap. The prophet didn't even have the dignity, an honor to come to talk to him himself. So that one stirred him up. He's already forgetting that he's dying. Watch. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. And listen, here's the ego speaking. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over me. How many eyes are we counting now? Every eye you see is your ego. This guy's dying. Remember the, the, the seriousness of the situation. He is, this is it. Something doesn't happen, he's dead. And besides, leprosy is one of the most horrific diseases you'll ever face. And now he's there, and uh, I expected him to come. I expected him to wave his hand. Ego, ego, ego. All right? The, it's, I expect him to hand and the leprosy and call the name of the Lord and heal me. And, and then, oh, oh, by the way, because he said, go dip in the rivers. Of, I forgot that little side note. He said, go dip in the river seven times. He told him exactly what to do to get healed. He said, you know, tell that guy outside, this is Elijah, to go to the river, dip seven times, we're done with it. Simple instructions. But no, ego just kicked this whole thing up. Now he's mad at the, he's mad at the servant, he's mad at the prophet, and he's mad at the river. That's pretty stupid. I mean, he's down to mad at water. When's the last time that you got angry and lost complete control? Don't raise your hand. Some of you would say, like, 
30 minutes ago, Pastor, right before church, you know. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call the name of the Lord is God to heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Parfar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Dude, you're dying. <laughs> it feels like somebody should just insert that right there. Like, dude, you're dying. You know who inserted it? His servant. Watch what happens. And he's, he's really irritated. <laughs> Look at this nasty river. Are you kidding me? I can go to my nice river and do it over there. Why shouldn't I wash them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went away in a rage. Did he get his healing, church? Did he get instructions on how to get his healing? Yes. Okay, can you put your name in there? <laughs> Has there been any situation that you got yourself into or somebody got you into? The most time you get yourself into. And you cry out to God and say, God, get me out of the situation. And he tells you exactly how to get out. He said, I want you to go tell him you're sorry. <laughs> I ain't happening. You don't know what they did to me. Well, then it's over. You see, God will give you the plan. And your ego will fight it every, way, every step of the way. Because you have a better idea than God. So if you have a better idea than God, sunshine, what are you doing here this morning? What are we all doing here? No, we don't have a better idea than God because His ways are higher. His thinking is higher. And it's our job... You know, to see if we can reach into this idea of say, how can I control some of these things in my life? How can I not be offended at situations that potentially are for my benefit? You know, when I preach, things come into my head. And usually, I try to... So if you guys hear like these weird pauses when I'm preaching, I'm having a little internal fight in my head. I'm saying, is this me or is this Holy Ghost? And, I, and then, I, and then I, when I feel like it, I believe it's where I need to go, then I'll go, you know, and say, well, that's a rabbit trail. No, it's not a rabbit trail. Somebody needs to hear that. And this is one of those areas because I'll, I'll give you an example. And don't raise your hand, but I, th I believe all of us, maybe you're, you're the one person in this room that doesn't need it, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, all of us could use financial education. <laughs> all right, you broke thing, then you don't. This church has provided over the years. I just saw because nobody cared. I would do every year a financial seminar. I would teach you on stocks. I would teach you on investment, on safe investment. I would teach you on, you know, H would come up and bring stuff. And it was pretty good. And I'll tell you, if you had been, if you tracked any of those things, let's say eight years ago, you could probably have a, even with the way the stock market is today, you could start, even, even, even in the mess that it's in right now, because you know how to play the game, I'm still ahead on some of these things. You know, you look at it, you're like, yeah, you lost a ton of money. No, you didn't. You just lost value. You've got you know, you to understand what you're losing. Anyway, I'm not going to get into details. But we provided all these things. And sometimes there was interest. But the last one we did, there was like zero interest. So I stopped. And not to make anybody feel bad, but here's the thing. You know, you know, why, that, you know why that is? Because one of the greatest areas where the ego doesn't want you to, nobody to mess with is in your personal ideas, planning, programs, and finances. You can be amen, amen, amen in the church. Oh, Jesus, mm, yeah. And then, I, and then pastor says, oh, we're going to pick up this morning's offering. Oh, it's always about money. I don't want your money. Well, I mean, when you've got ministries in Cuba and you're running around the world, you kind of do need a little money, right? But my point is your ego kicks in, right? And, and the blessing, same thing with Naaman, you know, the blessing that was here is completely rejected by, the, by, by if you could see the egotistical attitude now, they say, 
the church has no business telling me how to do my money. No, I don't. These seminars were completely, I mean, they had some spiritual, of course, we're in church and we gave you the spiritual foundation, but they were like 90% secular financial planning. That's all it was, you know. And some of you that took, you remember, we used to do this years and years ago. Some of you got, got on track and got out of debt. Some of you got on track, got a debt-free home. Some of you got on track, got some investments. My point of it, that's not, you know, the theme is not that. The theme is that information came, but there was an area in your life where you're like, no, 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 I think, I think I'm smart enough to handle this area of my life. I don't need intrusion, I don't need information, and that's exactly what Naaman did. Answers? Lord, I need help with my finances. Church provides a seminar. You don't show up. Who is it on now? Because what you wanted was God dump a bunch of money in my life. But the problem with, if God did that, God could give you a million dollars today and in five years you would be drowning in debt. Hello. Yes. Look at, track the lottery winners. See how many actually did something with it. There's a few that were smart. Track professional athletes. See how many actually did something with it. You know, you could say, how could somebody that made $40 million in their life be bankrupt today? They're all over the map. Go search it out. Athletes. What's wrong with that? Because, you know, these are areas that we feel like, no, 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 no. So you come to God. And here's, here's, here's my whole illustration about dealing, and then we're going to get into some, some, some meat and some scriptures. So you come to God and say, God, help me. For, you know, fill in the blank. It doesn't have to be money. It can be help me with this, help me with my marriage, help me with my kids, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. That's fine. We all do that. But sometimes the information that comes down will have a great conflict with your ego. Hello? Because, you know, if you're saying, you know, my relationship in, in, in my house is horrible, and God says, well, you're the one that needs to go and ask everybody for forgiveness. Wow, what, what's the first thing that, you know, recoils? Your ego. Now, remember, you asked for healing of your family, but as soon as the information came that you believe either through a preacher or directly from God or however you felt it, oh, no, I can't do that because, watch, ego says, no, 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 listen, yes, that's a really good idea, but all those people, they offended you first. And, I, and we closed our service last week with, there are broken relationships. There are parents that don't talk to their kids. There are kids that don't talk to their parents. There are brothers and sisters that don't talk to each other. And we could go on and on and on and on. And the only reason is because that little word pride is in the way. That's all. And I mean, families are being destroyed. And guess what? All of us are going to go to heaven or to hell, whichever one you choose, at some point. And it's a sad thing to live this period that you get on earth. It's called life. And be all in a knot fighting with everybody. And most of those fights revolve around your ego. And, and the things that you feel you need to defend. Are you also here with me this morning? Maybe I should use some scriptures. You guys are like looking at me with an attitude. I know, I know, but I'm good. Okay, let's, let's go into the first one. I want to I deal with this idea of ego pride. And this is hilarious. This has never happened to me before. I always go to the dictionary and I get definitions, but I never had a dictionary preach my sermon. And it worked out. I was like laughing to myself last night when I was doing this. This is so good. So these are just these are just dictionary definitions. But look what happens because the word pride is not a bad thing. So for 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 teaching purposes, I'm going to use the word self pride versus ego pride. Okay, the word pride is not a bad thing. It it turns into a bad thing when it's ego fueled. 
So this is just, this is what's hilarious, what I found. I said, man, the dictionary is helping me preach. So this is just straight out of the dictionary, the three definitions. The first definition is a good kind of pride. This is nothing wrong with this. This is, you know, you finish a job, you're by yourself, there's nobody, you got it done, you know, you know what I'm talking about, you're like, that Gatorade tastes real good right now, right? I mean, we're done. That is pride, and that is a wonderful thing, and, and I don't think you should feel ever reject that. So that definition becomes as dignity, honor, self-respect. Uh, they threw the word ego there, but I'll leave it there. Self-worth, self-image, self-identity, self-regard, pride in oneself, pride in one's abilities, belief in one's worth, faith in oneself. So that's a good kind of pride, all right? Then it goes into another definition, which is the pleasure, joy, delight, gratification, fulfillment, satisfaction, sense of achievement, comfort, content, or contentment, which is kind of similar to the other. The other one causes you know, the, the noun verse, you know, and then the other one is really the feeling. I'm feeling proud. You know, when your kid does something, what do you feel? Proud parent. You're not all there boasting, well, my kid's better than you, you know, you're not doing that, you're just like, nice, warm feeling. The ego is the next guy. That's the guy that says, yeah, my kid's better than you, that's that guy. It's hilarious because the whole message was here. There's a good kind of pride, and then there's ego pride. And ego pride is the third definition. This is straight out of the dictionary. Vanity, self-importance, hubris, self-conceit, self-glorification, self self-adulation, self-admiration, narcissism, egotism, presumption. I can't even pronounce the next words. I'm not going to try. Get one of the English teachers to do that. Superciliousness, hauntiness, snobbery, snobbishness, disdain, disdainfulness, and being condescending, right? So that is, to me, what we're talking about. When I talk about, every time we talk about pride from this point forward in this teaching and probably to next, because I don't think I'm going to finish it this week, we're talking about number three, all right? That we do have to define this idea of self-pride because if you're not careful, you know, in Christian circles, they say all pride is evil. The Bible talks a lot about pride. Oh, yeah, that's real serious about pride. We're going to show you some scriptures. Really serious about pride. But it's not talking about feeling the pride in one's work, the pride in oneself. So from now on, that's what I'm saying. It's funny that the dictionary would preach the message, right? We got the, you know, the godly pride versus the demonic pride, you know, the ego driven pride versus something that would be godly pride. All right, let's go. So, give me the next one, Archie. Um, Self-pride would be simply, I already said this, to feel good of an accomplishment. It really doesn't need affirmation. And, you know, in in my line of work, in my business, you know, I do contracting, but 90% of my contracting is by myself. That's usually how it works, you know. And I'm out in the monte and, you know, nobody there. And, or I'm building something, or I'm welding something, I'm trying to, and, and it's funny because, you know, you're over there, no, nobody to give you a hand clap. But you get it done, and you sit back and you go, ah, that sense of accomplishment is wonderful because you don't need affirmation. This is important because ego fuels affirmation. All right, let's go to the next one. So, that, so ego pride demands worship, not of God, of you. Wow, good job, man. Yeah, I know. And if you don't get it, Lauro, you need to go with me. I'm going to haul you out there. You need to see what I welded. Because I need to hear it from you. Because I'm out there and nobody told me it was a great job. Are you, are you listening to me? I know it's silly, but that is, it demands that. It demands worship. You know, worship me. It's ego-driven pride will be overly sensitive to criticism. Oh, now we're going to bring this home. Your pastor, I got this. I don't even know why you're preaching this series. I'm sure it must be for somebody else in the church because it can't possibly be for me. But if you are overly sensitive, this is so hard to preach because I'm defining myself about 15 years ago. I, was, I grew up like this, and there's a lot of backstory. I'm going to 
bore you with it, but over-sensitive to criticism. You know, as musicians, that is one of the hardest things. Because musicians, we're already artistic, so we're over-sensitive. You know, we don't, musicians don't drink coffee, they drink latte, you see. We're over-sensitive. Everything has to be, this is a side bad joke, right? Um, I, had, I had a joke about worship leader, but then I don't want to offend Kathy, so... Okay, not our worship leaders. Other worship leaders. So how many worship leaders does it take to change a light bulb? One, because she just holds it because the whole world revolves around her. I'll get that one later. She doesn't even have to move, does she? In church? I, I know I'm, I'm, that joke is leading to something, by the way. It's not just a random joke. Ego pride always needs affirmation. Ego pride is, so, oh, you know, it's, it's okay if somebody criticizes you and it, it bothers you. That's not, you're not ego pride driven. You know, you're human, hello. But it's something that stays. And, and, I, and here again, I'm talking about ideas of mental health and mental issues. And, you know, we can work both of them. But if somebody tells you something, the criticize you, and going back, going back to this idea of musicians. So, so in music, it's really hard. And, I, and I've done from world bands to Christian bands to created bands to you know whatever. It was really hard sometimes to work with because if you say, "Hey, you need to play this different," the ego would kick in, right? And then everybody's mad, and then you know the band breaks up, whatever. So, <laughs> you know, dealing with it at that capacity was hilarious, even in my life, because you get somebody that, to tell you what to do. I'm like, why are you telling me what to do? So you see this, at least, you know, in this atmosphere, it's really, really, really available. But I bet you in your workplace, probably in your family, it is ego-driven. And, and a lot of workplaces are completely ego-driven. It's always about me standing out. I have to get the credit. I have to show if I have to run over everybody for me to get the credit that that's the way it's going to be. So you see this, but it becomes oversensitive to criticism, offenses, people's opinions. And, of course, the last one, it needs demands continual affirmation. Ego, ego is this, this part of you that always requires more and more and more and it never fills up of people really telling you how awesome you are. The problem is we're not that awesome. Because, you know, I said this a few weeks ago, I guess three weeks ago, I said, really, we're not that important. None of us, me, you, nobody. We think we're really important, but we're not. Because the world keeps spinning and people are born and dying every single day. And the world really, you know, it just does what it does. And there's some really, 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 really important people that have died. And they just died and the world went on. And there was really, really insignificant people that died and the world went on. So we are not that important. But ego always tells you, oof, no, it, you, this is about you. Your idea. So if you are, if this, you know, if this kind of, some of these things come out this morning and kind of poke at you, don't get upset. Just say, okay, you know what it is? I just got to work on it. I had to work on I'm telling you, I'm honest with you. I had to work on this idea of criticism. I had to, I had to, and I still am working on this idea of offense. Because ego, a lot of times people say something and they never think about it again, but your ego will chew on that thing and chew on that thing and chew on that thing. And that happened yesterday and it's three days later at night and you're up at three in the morning thinking about that thing. Anybody? Your ego will not let that thing go. Why did they say that to me? Why did they criticize me? Why didn't they like this? So these are some of the things that you 
you know, as a believer, can say, okay, I need to look for these things. Nobody's going to, you know, somebody can point them out for you, but nobody's going to fix this. The Holy Spirit will help you fix it, but you've got to put your part. Say amen. And your part starts with recognizing, I need to adjust this thing. I can't live my life completely surrounded by conflict, completely surrounded by, you know, this uncontrollable brain, you know, chatter that never stops. Because a lot, you know, think about all the brain chatter that goes on in your life. How much of that is coming from a place where it's ego-driven? Your, your, your brain, this is me, I'm just talking about me. I'm horrible about overthinking everything. And I'm training myself not to overthink. Because if somebody will say something, and, and I, will, I will think about that, and I will think about that. Oh, by the way, this is what I wanted to say. For people like me, okay, how many overthinkers are here? Like chronic overthinkers. Thank you for the honest ones. The rest of you are not even thinking about what I'm preaching, so that's fine. But doesn't it bother you? Overthinkers, I don't know what you call an overthinker, but it has to be like a, a weird name for us, right? But listen, if I send you a text, send me something back. Like a thumbs up or a thumbs down or whatever. You can even cuss me out. But don't leave me without answering because overthinkers, it's done. You'll sit there, what did I do? What did I say? What did I do? Maybe they're mad. Maybe they're not. Come on, right? And then the three dots come on, and you're like looking at the three dots, three dots, three dots, three dots, three dots. Oh, God, three dots, three dots. Come on, come on, come on. And then, and then the three dots disappear. No! Can somebody say amen? You know who's driving that? Your ego. Your ego won't, won't let anything go. Because it's untrained, it's uncontrollable, and it's up to you and the, you with the Spirit of God. I was going to say, the, no, the Spirit of God will help you. But it's up to you with the Spirit of God to say, you know what? I'm in control of this. Not my dark self. Not my selfish self. I'm not this person. I'm better than this. And you'll be, you're going to find out how many conflicts begin to resolve in your life. How much money you begin to save. Because a lot of money we spend driven by ego. Can you say amen? I'm going to get in so much trouble with the ladies, but that's fine, ladies. Y'all can forgive me. Can I ask a question? general question, and I'm going to be really careful because my wife's sitting here on the front row. Why can't you wear clothes two times? Just asking. Could it be your ego? Okay, we'll get off that one. You see how I said nobody wants to go there. No passion. They already saw me in these pants. So what happens if they see you in those pants again? It would be really bad if they saw you without any pants. <laughs> Don't answer it, ladies. But just help me get my head around it. Because I have these conversations in my house. I'm like, why can't you wear it? Because I already wore it. These pants are like nine years old. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Anyway, let's go on. Let's go, RJ. Let's get me off of this, RJ. Let's talk about this. So if we are on one end of the spectrum, we have ego. Come, This is week three, so I can't go and teach everything I've been teaching. The other end of this would be humility. You agree with that? So ego pride, remember the pride that I defined, not the one and two pride, but the, the third definition. That's what, So every time you see ego, think of pride. So the, so the end of the spectrum would be humility. So, so we're going to have to break some of these things down. Let's, let's go through some of these. Um, let's look at First John Two fifteen, and I picked both of these out of the message translation. They're just really, really good the way it flows. Um, let me bring them up here in my. 
I guess I could just read it off the screen. Let's just do that. So Jesus talking here, he says, I'm, not, I'm sorry, John, John writing, not Jesus, John writing. He says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Now, let's. what is he talking about? Is he talking, you can't like nice stuff? No, because that is planted in Garden of Eden. I mean, why would God put two rivers? One, one takes you to fine-smelling plants, and the other one takes you to fine gold. It's in the book of Genesis. It's, you know, it's in the Eden description. So liking something nice is not an ego trip. So don't, don't go all weird on me. And we're going to talk about this false humility later. But what he is saying is really talking about the system. So we go back to, let's stop, because we've got to break this one down a little, little bit at a time and not try to spend too much time on it. Once again, what drives the world? Well, the biggest thing is, you know, you can say selfishness. Um, me, I've got to grow my wealth, my family, me, 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 and whoever I run over. That drives the world, right? That drives the economy. That drives everything. It's grow, um, amass, get, and bury whatever comes before it. So he's really referring to this dog-eat-dog system. And, of course, he could include all the darkness. He's not leaving that out, but he's not really talking so much about the darkness more that he's talking about a system. So he says, don't love the world's goods, love the world, squeeze out the love, the love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, and then he makes a list. And King James actually reads really nice, but he says, wanting your own way, take our time on this, what is that talking about? Pride ego, right? Wanting everything for yourself, what is that talking about? Just say it, pride ego. Wanting to appear important. What's that? Pride ego. All these things are, 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 are about, he says, practically everything that goes on in the world. Now, he's not talking about wars. He's not talking about economy. He's not talking about any of that. He's just talking, this is, so he, he's going back to that system, right? He's not really talking about stuff. He's talking about how, how it's wired. And then he breaks down. Now, this is so amazing because this is written over 2,000 years ago and is completely relevant in today's society. So he says, number one, let's, let's break them down. He says, practically, okay, everything that goes on in the world. Number one, wanting your own way, ego. Number two, wanting everything for yourself, ego. Number three, wanting to appear important, ego. Has nothing to do with the Father. It, I mean, that would preach, right? I mean, now we're faced with a decision. Do I drive myself in this ego-driven life of trying to obtain success, obtain money, obtain whatever I believe you know, the applause of people, the bowing of people, is that my pursuit? Because if that's my pursuit, then, I, then I'm really not pursuing God. I can come to church. And I'll tell you, churches are just as ego-driven as any, anything else. Y'all want to hear, boy, this is going to stir y'all up. This was not even on the outline. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Go to, well, you, unless you have it, go to, your, go to your phone or whatever, go to your Bible app. Message translation, go to the book of Amos. Ooh, Jesus, thank you for reminding me, Lord, of this one. This is the one scripture there. We'll probably just say amen and leave after I read it. ¿Qué están tan callados? ¿Qué les hicieron? ¿Los regañaron? Everybody's like, wow, pastor, we're just so quiet. Amos, chapter 5. I believe. Let's see if I don't. Oh, I'm in NLT. I've got to go to message. It has to be message. Amos 5. <laughs> 
Verse 21 to 24. You ready? When I said ego is alive and well in the church, listen to this. Amos 5. Now this was written six, seven thousand years ago. Message translation incorporates a very... Message translation, by the way, is not a translation. It's more of a paraphrase, just so you understand how it flows. But it's very accurate. You know, he's amazing, amazing translation. So it goes like this. Says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. What well, sounds like church in America, doesn't it? I am sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. Here we go. Hang on, praise and worship people. I've had all I can take from your noisy ego music. Boom. That's painful. When's the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice. Oceans of it. I want fairness. Rivers of it. That's all I want. Now, if you believe that God doesn't change, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, those words are as true today as they were when they were written. He said, well, Pastor, that's Old Testament. He was writing to it. Play it out as much as you want. But at the end of the day, there it is. That spirit can move into a church. And we've all seen it. And, and you know, we've seen the big rise of big-name preachers and, the, and what came with it, the big fall of big-name preachers. Because pride always comes before a fall, right? So understanding the importance of what I'm preaching to you really is summarized in that line. God has nothing to do with it. Now listen, he's, he's not saying I don't have nothing to do with you. He still loves you. He's committed to you. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's there till the end. You can be, you know, unless you throw your fist at him and reject him, but I'm saying even if you backslid, even if you're whatever you're doing, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No, not ever. But he will leave you to your own devices. Because God will not, he will tell you what to do with your will. He will tell you how to train your will. He will even give you the spirit to influence your will. But he will not force his will on you, ever. If he, had, if he could have done that, we wouldn't be in the mess where he would have fixed us in the Garden of Eden. He goes, oh, no, 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 Eve, no, you don't want to eat that, honey. That's not good for you. Right? No. He had to let it play out because he gave his man and his woman and even though he knew where exactly where it was going, he had to let it play out. So, don't love the world's ways really begins to, it's really those three things. It's, it's not, oh, I can't, you know, I can't go to a football game. Or I can't, that's just nonsense. It's talking about three things that every one of them has to do with ego. And, and here's, what, here's my point that I'm trying to pull out of this reading. It says, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, and wanting to appear important, those three ideas... And, and, and King James does, you know, does a different pride of life, pride of you know. But every one of those, what you are speaking to yourself in the spirit realm is, I don't need God. Now, that doesn't mean you've rejected God. That doesn't mean you're going to hell. That just mean, simply means, I love Jesus because he's my ticket to heaven. And he's made me a better person. And there's a lot of good Christian things in my life. And my, I'm raising a Christian family, so we don't have all the, you know, weirdness of it. So all that can still be happening... That when it comes to your life, if you are navigating these three points, yes, God is involved in every aspect of your life except these. 
And when you don't recognize them, you wonder, why aren't things working out for me? Why am I, and here we go, right? Why am I doing everything? You know, I'm, I'm going to church, I'm praying, and, and, and you know, what is going on? And God will say, well, I'm not involved. Because you don't want my way, says the Lord. You want your way. And you can have your way. I'm not going to, you know, Lord's, you know, speaking, like if God was speaking, God would say, I'm not going to interfere in your business. But the reason you're there is because I'm not there. And the reason you're there is because you and your ego are there and I'm not there. Because ego, you ready for this one? Is really the God of your life. Because what he says, you do. Amen. Ego says, get mad, you get mad. Ego says, do this. Ego, 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 ego. Self, 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 self. And, and God simply says, you want to do this, you want to do it your own way? You want to do it, you want, wanting everything for yourself? Just, you know, mass, mass, mass. God says, that, that's not the way I operate. Because one thing God, God came and taught us, he came to give. For God so loved the world that foundation, right? Generosity. Service. Ego says, no. I love God, but no, I'm not giving him that. So those three arenas, I don't, want, I don't want to spend way too much time on this, but has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. And this is really why I like the message, because it really brings it in, in today's vernacular. It says, it isolates you from him. God, you, you know, God is not leaving you. You are isolating yourself from him, because what does not work in the way that God does things is that self-pride. I'm sorry, that ego pride. So the world... Pay attention to how it ends. The world and all it's wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. If there is a characteristic that defines ego, and that's actually next week's message, that there's, there's a characteristic that defines ego, it never stops wanting. It wants stuff. It wants affection. It wants a pity party. It wants people to bow. It wants everything for itself. That is a characteristic of an uncontrolled ego. All right, give me the next one. Another one from the message translation. Galatians 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, make careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. This is really good. And then sink yourself into that. Don't compare. I'm not sure what that came out of. <laughs> Don't compare yourself with others, because that's what ego does, right? Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Because ego is always on a comparison trip. That is one characteristic of an uncontrolled ego. It will always compare. You know, again, you can bring it back to church. You know, if I'm not careful, I begin to compare this church to another church. I can compare it to any church in Hebronville and say, oh, our church is, is happening. But then all, all i got to do is go and compare it to another church and say, ooh, we're not really doing hard enough. So ego, you remember what I told you, I guess the first session, ego is this really weird spirit because... The same ego that tells you that you're better than everybody and that you're higher than everybody and that you're smarter than everybody and that you're more beautiful than everybody and that you got more money than everybody and all that stuff is the same ego. The same ego that in five minutes will take you that you're worthless and that you're a piece of trash and that you just hurt a lot of people and will go all the way to your past and bring all a thousand remorses into your head. The same one that just lifted you up will bury you down. Can you say amen to that? And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, so this is really about mental, mental health issues that we're dealing with. We're dealing them from a spiritual perspective, but a lot of our issues are coming from not controlling this aspect of our life. I'm telling you, a lot. Of, I'm t- I've lost so much money. I've lost so many relationships. I've lost so many people in my life 
because I, had, I, I wasn't in control of this. And not, not that I have it 100%, but I'm way better now than I was. You know? Like I said, I got preaching in my families in church. Most of the time, all everybody, and now my grandkids are too, they know who, who's at the house. You know, and when you got your kids that already have their own families and they still want to come to your church, they've seen me navigate through these things. They've seen me in my words. They've seen me when I punch the walls. Can I say that in church? Oh, like you never do. Come on, you're Mexicans. We punch stuff, right? We got to break stuff. Si no, no sabe, no se es una igual. Each of you, look at your neighbor and say, whoop, he's talking to you. Come on, be obedient. Look at somebody, even if you don't know him, say, sir, ma'am, he's talking to you. Each of you must take responsibility. That is like the whole message of the gospel. Take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. And why does this have to go with ego? Because you don't want to find yourself in the first part. Make a careful exploration of who you are. That means spend some time with you. And that's the, that's the place that none of us want to spend time with, including yours truly. You don't want to spend time with you. Because you don't want you. after you spend time with you, you're not talking to you anymore. Come on, if you met you, would you be friends? <laughs> God, I don't think the world needs another Kelvin box, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Um, no, because that's, that is really, you know, you know what keeps us from having this conversation? Your ego. Your ego says, no, no, you got it together. You don't need to spend time with yourself. Holy Spirit says, yes, you do. Well, what does that even mean? Counsel yourself. It's amazing how, many, how much good advice we have for everybody. How many have good advice for everybody? Raise your hand. Come on, everybody. You always have great advice. But when it comes to you... Nah, nah, nah. That's not me. That's not No. You got to practice what you preach, right? That's what you tell, y'all tell me. Well, that, that comes down, down to you. So getting to know yourself really starts with getting to know who the ego part of you is. Because I said, I said the first week, I think I said, ego's not really a, a bad thing. You know, that you always cruise. So ego just simply means who you are. The you-you. What makes ego toxic is when the you-you, you've eliminated everything. You've el- eliminated spiritual influence, number one, and you've eliminated counsel. Because when you-you, you can have people that love you say, hey, what you're doing is a really bad idea. You never heard that one? You're like, no, 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 no. And the, and the people that are giving you this advice are the parents that love you the most. Your parents, come on, teenagers, help me out. I'm going to give something to all the teenagers. I'm going I'm to set you all free at my fi- young 56 years old. Something happens between like 13 and 23-ish, 24-ish. Some of you may be 45, I don't know, but most of them may be 20. <laughs> but um, where all the wisdom and all revelation of the world has dropped into your life, especially like around 12 or 13, you know everything about everything about everything. And then when you hit about 27, you find out what a doofus you really are. And you know nothing. And the reason we end up there is because we have this huge idea that we are really something. And here's what we got to do. That careful exploration of who you are is one of the hardest things on any... On any and I'm not even going to say believers, on anybody. Even, even in the world, secular world, and, and they have things like, you know, when you, when you, you know, and I've studied some of these things, you know, you know, psychology and all these other things. They have these ideas in there that people struggle through life because they don't even really know who they are. And the one that has created a really false narrative is your ego. Because ego is, is, is really fantastical. 
You know, one of the differences, and this is kind of a side note, one of the differences between ego, let's say put ego pride and self-pride, would be the difference between being and doing. Ego wants to be. Ego always wants to be. They will do things to be, only to be recognized. That's the reason, that's what drives them, the, the recognition, the applause. And then there's another kind of people that they don't really care. They'd rather be the, the to-do people. And, I, and I'm going to get this story all messed up. But I was, I was reading along the lines. I'm not even going to tell you the names. I'm just going to summarize it really quick. But there was this, this Air Force pilot that was top gun back in the you know, 60s. Very, very you know, recognized. This guy could, he, he, in 40 seconds, he could take you out. That's how, I mean, in, in the aviation, combat, Air Force, and I, I forget his name right now, but I read a whole thing on him. He could take out anybody in 40 seconds. That was his time frame. That, that, that when, he, that we lock, when he locked on you, when he, when he got you, you were done in 40 seconds. I mean, that's how good he was. And he actually wrote some books, but he was never really recognized. And he was used for his training up to today, but he never, you know, that's why I can't even remember. His, his name is Non. He never went above um, lieutenant colonel. He never got a huge rank. He retired, but he brought so much. He really changed the world. And, and, I'll, and I'll, if you guys care to do this, I'll get you a name next week. I read a whole thing on him. He really changed the whole world of, of fighter pilots. This guy, I mean, this guy revolutionized the, the, the whole system, and he's completely unknown. Nobody knows him. Why is that? Because that's the difference between somebody that rather do than be. And he says that he didn't, he says, because a lot of these guys, you know, some of his writing says, was I didn't really care to go to all the wine cocktails with all the generals and all the colonels and, and all the, you know, places. A lot of people that, that were be, below me, they went up and became bigger rank, greater rank, because they played all their social games. He says, I was more interested in making a difference. Isn't that cool? He was more interested in making a difference than to have his name plastered somewhere or have a bunch of stars on his shirt. And that really is, to me, is such a drive because... I think that is what that breaks down. You know, who are you? Because when you, once you discover that, the next thing you're going to find out is that God is going to show you the task. And that's where it gets exciting. Because now you have purpose. But ego is such a destroyer of purpose because ego, purpose is never about just your benefit. Purpose is about making a difference in the world. Are you here? You know, you think of a little church in Heavenville with a handful of people, and we're changing stuff in Cuba you know, and again, try not to be ego-driven on this comment, but we're changing things in Cuba that bigger churches have never done. Are you listening to them? I there are things that Faithway and with, and with our partnership with Faith Exchange out of New York, together, we are doing things in Cuba that big organizations have not done. You know, Billy Graham was not allowed in. He's a big organization. He would have done a lot of good. I mean, his ministry is still huge. They're not doing a whole lot because they don't know how to play the game. That's what I'm saying. You know, there are ways, but I'm saying you think about purpose is such an amazing thing because if, if I'm not careful, we can get ego-driven even within our ministry, right? And I can't because this church is so unique. You know, my ego mess, gets messed up when you see rows and rows of empty chairs that I have to, you know, I've learned to digest that. Trust me, never but you learn to get past that. You, you see, you've got to be careful of that because at the end of the day, God says, is it about people or is it about the vision? Because if it's about the vision, God could send one person and we get, and we get the vision done. It could, you know, the vision could cost millions of dollars. He could send one person, cut a check, and we're done. But it's amazing to see that when you get purpose, because one thing I, I give, and I thank God for this church and I thank God for our leadership, I'm pretty confident of this. I don't think any of our church or anything that we do 
and if I'm wrong, maybe I'm totally wrong, but I don't see, I don't, I've never sensed that anything that Faithway does was done so our name would be like, oh, look at Faithway. You know, we would do things in the community, and I believe it was always driven from the right place. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, and, and people would criticize us of our VBS, you know, when we used to pull 300 kids in here and all that, say, well, no wonder all the kids, because they give them prizes. Well, we weren't, you know, we weren't looking for recognition. We weren't looking like, say, well, wow, look what the church did. We were just trying to help the kids. And I think when you get that, God blesses that. Because guess what happens? Back to the previous scripture, now God's back involved in your life. Since it's not about you, it's not about your program, it's not about, you know, the things that we just mentioned in the previous scripture, you know, the ideas of what is my, what is my, what is my, you, you, you begin to look at the global picture and God says, God, I'm good, I'm good, now I can get involved. And God can take a little church like Faithway and really shake some stuff up. You know, like we've done in, in different nations and, of course, here in Heavenville. So that real point, I'm spending too much time on this, but I want to move on. You have been given, and then you sink yourself into that. In other words, instead of sinking yourself into an ego-infused, you know, toxic, I, I, I got one more word to add, demonized way of thinking, <laughs> you sink yourself into, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And, and I don't know, you know, the older, I'm talking to a lot of you know, younger people, younger than me, obviously, but I'm at the point in my life, and I wish, Laura, I would have known this when I was your age, what I'm about to say. I've said a lot of things that I wish I'd known when I was y'all's age. Is, I used to, you know, if somebody said something that was really off or really wrong or maybe little wrong, it was always like, oh, wait, I got the answer. And I would, get in, I would engage them, not so much from a fighting, a discussion, I want better than you point of view, but like, you're wrong, let me fix you. You know, let, you, know, you know, one plus one is two, it's not three. I know one plus one is two. And then it would, and, and it would cause sometimes good, sometimes bad. A bit, a bit, but you know, I'm at the point of my life, Yanis, that if you want one to one to be three, go for it. I really am. <laughs> you know, you, you go, knock yourself out, honey. I am not, I'm done. Because I'm realizing that even that is ego-driven. It might not seem like it because you're like, oh, no, you're in a mistake. Let me fix your mistake. But if the, first of all, a lot of people don't want their mistake corrected. <laughs> That's the first one, right? <laughs> they, they, you know, they don't really care that they're wrong. <laughs> they just want to stay wrong. So my point is, when you bury yourself into those two little points right there, the careful, well, it's not really a point, but, the, but the, the entry, careful exploration, means exactly careful exploration. It doesn't mean you passively look at your life and, oh, yeah, I'm, no, you're like, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really find out who Kelvin Box is. I'm really going to, you know, I'm really going to find, I'm going to digest every little, and if you're really honest, find the person that really, really ro- loves you and tell them, can you tell me what's wrong with me? And see if you can handle that. That would be a marriage counseling, right? Sit the person that loves you and says, tell me the ten things that are wrong with me. And see how much you recoil when they go down that list. And see how much you, wait, 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 no, 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 it's not like that. Let me, no, 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 just tell them your honest review. And you don't get to talk while they're going down the list. Laura says, I wouldn't survive, brother. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's hard, right? These conversations are hard. Because the person that loves you the most will tell you exactly what a piece of work you are. <laughs> you guys aren't like this sermon, I'm sure. Okay, too much time on this scripture. You sink yourself into that. Into what, Patrick? Into what God called you to do. And if you don't know, you sink yourself into that till you find out what he wants you to do. 
Because there is no ego left there. Church will do with your ego. I, I, I really believe Christianity is the best solution for ego issues because Jesus came to say, you're here to serve. Woo, that's counter-ego, right? No, I'm not here to serve. I'm here for you to bless me and take care of me and pray for me and give me. And, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, you know, we want to help you with that, but I'm going to turn right back on you. You're here to serve. That, and that's not Pastor Box's opinion. That's the Bible's opinion. Okay, let's go on. Pride is the fuel of your ego. We're, I, I thought I was going to finish this today. There's no way I'm going to finish it. So we're going to knock some of these out. We're, we're going back to Bible definition. No, I mean, we're going back to that point three definition of pride. We're not talking about the pride that makes you feel good because you accomplished something. Okay, let's break these down. So these scriptures, give me the next one, Archie. First of all, let, well, let me read some of these notes. Pride is the first sin and the most serious sin. What do you mean it's the first sin? Well, what happens, you know, let's go back, you know what's, what's the exchange in the Garden of Eden? No, they, they, I'm not going to take too much time to tell you the story, but you know what happens now. God is there, he's interviewing them, something bad happened, and what do you find? Nobody takes responsibility. <laughs> right? Was it me, Lord? It was her? The woman. And the woman says, it wasn't me, it was a serpent. Ego. Pride. I'm not accepting this. How many broken relationships are in our life because we didn't accept our part? You know, pride is the first sin and the most serious sin. Pride is the greatest problem, not the devil. The devil only used, only uses it. Now, he got in trouble for his pride, right? Not low self-esteem, not your upbringing or injustice has suffered. You know, we can make tons of excuses for why we behave the way we behave, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to pride. Next one. Let's, let's do some of these shotguns once. Proverbs 8.13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And then God says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Okay, so God hates that. So we should learn to hate what God hates. Amen. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. So you would think we should be pursuing humility, right? And the big one, Proverbs 16.18 says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty, haunty spirit before a fall. And that means what? A spirit that is elevated himself. An attitude, I am better. That's your ego. So, pride goes before destruction. Pride comes disgrace. And God hates it. Alright? So the only way, or can I kind of put it, the antidote to this kind of pride, the only antidote is, it's called humility. Well, humility, here's a big religious word, and again, I'm looking at that clock, and it's, let's see if I can do this in five minutes. If I, can, if I have time, I'll, I'll share you the whole story on a message that God gave me years and years and years ago over false humility. But let's deal, first of all, before we define what humility is, let's define what false humility is. Because if there's something in the church, it's false humility. <laughs> big. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he might lift you up in due time. Now, I want to share, like, see if I can compress it, and, and again, we're going to get out at the time we get out. Y'all don't stress it. I'm the one that's stressed out, because I'm like, I've got to finish this message. And God is like, no, you don't. I've got to finish it. Okay, sir, you can finish it. See that ego kicking in? When I, we did a wedding, it must have been, I'm going to tell you exactly when it was. It was a year, 2000. We had just 
this was brand new. This, this edition was brand spanking new. We had just moved in, and, and there was a family that was coming to the church then. They don't come anymore. Well, it's part of the family, so it comes. Names are not important. But they decided they, they wanted to get married, and they, and they said, look, we want to get down married in Puerto Vallarta. We'll pay your way down there. And I'm like, ooh, that's not. Back then, we were so broke, we couldn't even pay attention. Trust me. So, you know, you're taking me to Puerto Vallarta for free? Yeah, I'll marry you. I'll marry whoever you want. You know, come on, we'll marry all of them. You know, how many ceremonies do you want? You know, on the beach. So, yeah, you know, they wanted the whole beach ceremony, whatever. And that was wonderful. We were there in this really beautiful hotel. I believe that's probably the, one of the very first times after I became a Christian that we had even gone to something. I mean, like I said, we were in such economic strains. There was like no, nothing like that was going to happen. You know, like to go on a vacation and get in a nice hotel and a resort and all inclusive and all super nice. And so we were there like three days. So I, I believe the second day I went down early and I, I was walking through just beautiful, beautiful gardens. And I was, you know, I was spending, usually that's what I do. I try to get coffee in my Bible and find a quiet spot where Jesus and I can hang out. And I'm looking for that, and I'm walking down the elevator, just not, not being extra spiritual, you know. This is year 2000, just walking through all this beautiful place. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, you know why my people don't enjoy any of this? I got my attention. This is, this is one of those times that I know, I, I mean, I'm having this dialogue with God. I said, no, Lord, why? He says, because of false humility. And that's all he said. That's, how, that's the way he talks to me. He, he just like pokes me and then up to me like, whoa, false humility. And then, you know, 20 pages later, I figured out what false humility was. And, and it bugged me and it bugged me and it bugged me. False humility. And false humility was this idea that you have to be poor to be spiritual. And you can't have nothing. And oh, we're so spiritual because we're so sick and broke. That's false humility. That's actually one of the most prideful things there is. Amen. So there's a long backstory. So I don't want. So this scripture was part of that, right? Humble yourself. So I broke all this down. I mean, I went down to the you know the Greek lexicon and everything you know Strong's Concord, every every version I could find out, and I found out that the word humble means consider yourself a zero. Well, boy, that'll knock your ego up, right? In other words, imagine if you came to church. Good morning, church. Welcome to Faithway. You guys are nothing. God bless you. Bye. <laughs> who, who does he think he is? No, it was God said it. Sorry. <laughs> Humility means zero. In other words, you have reduced yourself to the point of not, nothing. Everything is eliminated. But then, that he may lift you up is the exact contrast. That phrase actually is called exalt. Now, this is, this is a more modern translation, but if you know, read King James, that he will exalt you in due time. That's what it says. Well, that word exalt is, whoa, 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 wait, what do you mean? Because that word exalt means the exact from the zero. I broke that word down. You guys can do your own study. So the word exalt means to put at the highest point of importance and influence. Power. That's, so, there's a huge contrast. I'm thinking, okay, false humility. What is false humility? Well, I kind of gave you the back, back, back story of what false humility is. But what God is saying is, is if you can get to your place where you have zeroed all your resources out, all the you, all the ego, all the great things I think I'm at, all my wisdom, all my college degrees, all, 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 me, 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 all the things I think. When I get to the point where I say, Lord, that means nothing to me. And you mean it, then God can work on it. 
Remember the few, remember 30 minutes ago? That <laughs> seems like a long time ago. Where he says, these are the three things that God will not be involved in. Now, he still loves you, but he, he will not be involved in these things. You know, King James says the pride of life is with him. But the same thing, he says, I'm not, I'm not going to be involved in that. God will do amazing things in a humble heart. But the humility has to be real. So humility is not tied into stuff. And that's where the church gets it wrong. Because the church, and that's what God was telling me back in the year 2000, because we were primarily ministering a lot in Mexico, South Texas, but a lot of the circles, even today, even in Cuba, you go back to an old religious thinking that some of you probably been branded with it in whatever religion or back religion you came, Catholic or whatever. I'm talking Christianity, obviously. But I guess what? The backstory of where that came from is even scarier because it came from Hinduism. How about that one? Don't, don't, we're not going there right now. Maybe next week. But my point is, humili- false humility says, I have to be broken. I have to be shut down. I have to be broke, poor, sick, tired. And then I will honor God. And that is the most prideful thing. Because Jesus already died. Jesus was already broken. Jesus' body was put to shame. Jesus' body was broken. Jesus' body was buried. Who do you think you are? To play a pity party game with God. Because that's what we think. You know, if we cry enough, if we suffer enough, I carry my cross. We already talked about that cross a few months ago. It's part of the same thing. The cross is in you. Are you willing to crucify you so God can do something bigger? And that is what it comes down to. Now, like, sorry, he, and that, that's amazing because when you break these down from the original Greek translation, it goes from zero to highest point. There's like really no in between. There's not like a climb. It's, it's like it says, if you humble, I will exalt. You humble, I will exalt. You humble, that's your job. You humble, I'm not going to humble you. You humble yourself. I will exalt. And if you keep those two things moving, <laughs> I'm telling you, good things happen in your life. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But wait, we're not going to stop there. But with humility comes wisdom. A humble person will always know what to do. Because a humble person is not depending on their own intelligence. You know, I took all the courses you need to take and all the counseling and all that stuff. I rarely ever, if maybe one or twice in specific circumstances, did I ever go back and try to counsel somebody from a book. They sat in front of me and we prayed. I'm saying, okay, Lord. And it became Holy Ghost from that point. That's humility. To say, I don't have your answer. But if you believe, you know, get in agreement with me, Laudo. Let's get in agreement. The Holy Spirit's going to talk to us. That's humility. Some other guys say, well, no, I got all the answers. No, that's, that's pride. So you see it there. You humble yourself. Well, I'm sorry. Pride comes, comes disgrace. 1533, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. And humility comes before honor. So once again, that scripture means the same. You humble, you exalt it. The ego system, not eco, ego system, the ego world system doesn't work that way. The world system says you got to climb the ladder. And you got to, you know, if you got to step on whoever you got to step, that just is what you got to do. You know, doggy dog. God says that's not how it works. You humble, I exalt. You keep yourself meek, I exalt. Keep yourself out of pride and arrogance, I'll exalt. All these things God is trying to get you into control of yourself. That's where we started this this morning. You know, you, we have to be in control of ourselves by the Spirit of God. That's why these are hard conversations when you say, who am I really? Proverbs eighteen twelve says, before his downfall, a man's heart is proud. Well, we've seen that over and over and over, right? But humility, once again, he repeats it again, comes before honor. 
Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. Well, guess what? That's three witnesses. And God tell you, you humble, I honor. You humble, I honor. You humble, I honor. You humble, I honor. You know, you want, you want a better job at, at your work? Humble yourself. Ah, no, I got to tell the boss how good I am. No, the boss knows exactly how good you are. That's the only reason you're still there. Trust me, I've done upper management. I've done, you know, I was environmental manager. I, I, you know, I've had employees under me. You know who's doing the job. You don't need to somebody come say, I need a raise. But you know what happens? Ego. I me, 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 my recognition. How come I didn't get the raise? Well, maybe you're not doing the job. But you see, ego will never accept that. Well, he got the raise and I didn't get it. Why? Why are you even having that conversation? Because once you point your finger... Your ego's alive and well, honey. Why them? You ever notice little kids when they get in trouble? You got a bunch of them. What happens, though? They just all... It's a blame game, right? <laughs> We're back to the Garden of Eden. <laughs> That's okay with a kid. That's the kids are wired that way, but it's not okay when the adults. And especially not okay for Christian men and women. They should have a witness of the Holy Spirit on how to not be real jerks in this world. Amen. Oh, boy. Okay, what's the next one? I, I'm, I'm, I need to stop here at some point. Yeah, let's stop with this one. I think that I think we're almost where we need to be. You've got five minutes left? Somebody, where do you want to go? Oh, it starts so exciting, right? You adulterers! Oh, that's pretty intense. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? And again... Adultery, you know what adultery is? You know, you're going on with somebody who's not your wife. Well, God is saying the same thing. He says, having an ego-driven system, that's the world system. Every time he talks about world system, remember what it's driven. It's about me, 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 you know, all that. He says, then you are an enemy. Now, this is, this is amazing because, you know, John's the one that said it last time. Now James is saying it. So it's, a, it's a, coming from a whole different perspective. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. Praise God for that. As the scripture says, God opposes what? Talk to me, church. So if you wonder why sometimes it seems like God's against you, he is. <laughs> Not against you, against pride. In all its forms, from false humility to think you've got to figure this thing out on your own. So humble yourselves. Well, let me, let me finish. So, so good. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And you know what kind of grace he gives? Generously. No limit to the grace of God to a humble heart. I mean, this should just... Man, if this don't fire you up, your wood's wet. I'm telling you. This is humility. Humility. Above all things. Humility, And it's so careful to always lean in to look at me, look at me, look at me. Humility. Putting others before you. Not because they're better. You might put your others before you that you people you don't even know. You know, like you guys are helping people in Cuba that you will never know. That's humility. And he gives grace generously, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, he gives grace to the humble. Here it comes, ready? So humble yourselves before God. How, pastor? Resist the devil. Well, wait, 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 wait. You mean, 
the Hollywood devil with a pitchfork and the smell of sulfur blows the doors down? Is that the devil he's talking about? Mm -mm. Because the central theme of this is pride. And if something the devil is known for is pride. So you could, and I'm not changing scriptures, guys. You could break this thing down because the word devil, first of all, doesn't describe him. The word devil is not a name in the Bible. The word devil is a function. You know that, did you? What do you mean? The word devil means something that hits and hits and hits and hits till it penetrates. In Spanish, you would understand it really clearly because the word diablo, if you go to Mexico and you want to buy pellets for a pellet rifle, you go to the store, you say, Nesto diabolos. That's the name of a pellet. Why? Because that's the definition of the word devil. It's something that's designed to hit and penetrate. That's, that's all the word devil means. It's not, it's not Satan. It's not, it doesn't mean, oh, he's the devil. No, that means that thing is designed to hit till it breaks through. All right? So once you get that, that, that's the Bible definition. So once you understand that, he says, resist the devil. He's not talking about Satan. He's talking about pride. Fueled by Satan. That's devil. In other words, this thing is designed to hit you and hit you till it breaks everything through your life. And, and you know, I, I said this last week. There are people today all over the world that defended a mountain of their pride and they won. And they, they got the mountain. But the mountain is devastated and there's nobody left on the mountain that cares to be around them because of pride. Amen. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say God is passionate. And, well, let me, let me go forward. Verse 7, humble yourselves before God. Resist, can I put it this way, the temptation of egoism. Okay? I mean, it's, it's, I'm not stretching scripture. I'm just using it to illustrate something. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the ego. And the ego and all its passions and all its darkness will leave you. In other words... The antidote to pride is humility. Because pride is fueled by hell. That's where it comes from. And if you think about all... when I'm, I'm going back to that third definition of pride. Wow. Think about all the trouble in your life. Think of all the trouble in America. Think of all the trouble on a world scale that boils down to somebody's pride. From money being lost to everything else. And then he goes on to say, and I'm going to break this down. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, he will flee. But these are your instructions. Humility, resistance, and number four, King James says, draw. The year says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, your sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. <laughs> what is this? I should have left the scripture at the front end. But Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and once again, he will lift you up. And I mean, we could do this There's just on and on. There's so many scriptures, church. There's so many passages. There's so many illustrations. I mean, I'm thinking, I had another one. I was thinking about the life of Jesus and the disciples are walking and they're, they're having this ego discussion. Remember that? Lord, when we go to heaven, we want to sit on your throne. I mean, they're, they're right there. I mean, it's like everywhere in the Bible. You see this little thing flooring up. And Jesus said, no, 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 you got this wrong because for you to be first, you got to be last, you know? And, and he goes into this whole thing. So, 
I want to leave you guys with this this morning. Really process some of this information. You know, if it's helping you, you know, bless somebody with it, you know, share it with somebody else. But really, don't walk out of this building. Don't have an expectation that you're going to get in your car and, oh, I got it. This, you work it, you recognize it, you work it. And it's such a seductive spirit because I can even hear, now that I'm like really preaching it, I'm holding back because I say, oh, I don't want to really say that because I think there's some ego behind it. You know? I want to say the story. Do I really want to say it so, so, they, so they get something out of the story? Or do I want to say the story so they think I'm all it? I've got to be careful now you know, that to really be really sensitive because if we're going to deal with this, we're going to deal with it. In other words, I want to make sure that I'm in control of this. Of what? Of me. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Stand to your feet. Did you get something out of all that this morning? Let's pray, and I want you to know, again, back honesty in your heart of where you are with all this. You know, like, again, this is not a journey. I just, I've, been, I've been working this thing for a while now. And I'm telling you that some of the things that, that we all get faced with and, we, and we've got faced with as a family and different challenges, this, God always gives you what you need when you need it. That, that I have found out. Some people say life will give you what you need. No, God will give you what you need when you need it. Sometimes somebody will put a book in your hand. Somebody will say something. Something will happen. And you're like, wow, you know. And I really believe this is this message is timely in that sense that, that you know, if I hadn't at least had the foundation of this a couple years ago, I'm not sure I've been processing the things I'm processing the way I'm processing now. That's what I'm saying. Because I'm able to keep my joy. I'm able to keep my, my rhythm. I'm able to keep my outlook on life. That doesn't mean we don't have bad days. That doesn't mean we don't, you know, we all, we all live in this. But the more I, I focus on two things, and actually I had a real long conversation over the phone yesterday with one of our church members that was dealing with some stuff, and it, and it really became to this thing I've been giving you guys all year, you know, understanding where we live, meaning you don't live in the past, you don't live in the future, you live today, and understanding these ideas of what am I supposed to do with God, in God, God in me, and then the third one is, I need to work on myself before I can fix anybody else. Are you here? Those three things have really helped me navigate. So whatever you're going through in life right now, maybe you're going through a really complicated season, I don't know that, but even if you're not, maybe you say, Pastor, you know, I'm in my 30s. How does that apply? Wow, take this. I'm telling you, I wish I would have heard this in my 30s. You know, I, I believe it would have made a huge difference in my life. I really do. So take this with that heart. Receive it with a heart of humility. Because you could stand here and say, I don't think I really need this. Oh, there it is, right? It's a very seductive little thing. That little ego, the more I talk about it, the more you, oh, that's him. Because you've been... You didn't even know he was there or she was there till now, right? That it's there and it's alive and well. But if you put it where it needs to be, remember this. We're not getting rid of ego. You can't get rid of it. You just need it to put it where it's influenced by the Spirit of God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the message. And, Lord, we still got at least one more to go with this thing. But I just thank you, Lord, that I pray that these messages are, are hitting where they need to go. That, Father, people's lives, especially people in faith way that have such a vision and such a heart, to do good and make a difference, that we, that we navigate our lives. That, Father, this is not about us. It's never been about us. We get to participate in this amazing adventure called life. And we thank you for that. But not just a life, a life with you, God. A life that takes us to places and helps us help people. And, Father, it's just an exciting way. And I bless everyone in this room. And, I, Father, I pray right now for people that are dealing with internal challenges. If that's you this morning, please reach into that anointing. Father, that people that are dealing with depression people that are dealing with anxiety, people that are dealing with this, 
this mind chatter that never, ever, ever stops, Father. And Lord, these messages, if your anointing is not on this, it's just a message, God. But I believe that the word of God has come forth. And right now, if that's you, I'm telling you, I'm going to pray this. I believe with all my heart that the spirit of God is making things in your spirit transferred into your mind. That you're going to walk out of this and in the next few days, your mindset, your outlook on life, the things that you've heard will begin to realize one by one by one by one. And by the end of the week, I believe with all my God that all that depression is done. And when it comes and tries to sneak up on you, you're going to find out where to go with it. You're like, no, 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 no. That's information from the past. That's ego. That's whatever. I'm not going there. Father, today in the name of Jesus, we thank you for healing we thank you for giving us the peace of God in our mind, in our thinking, and that, Father, at the end of the day, that this can be transferred into other people's lives, that this can be a reflection, that wherever we go, Father, we reflect this grace, we reflect this humility, Father, that we don't walk around with any kind of arrogance, even about being Christians. We're not better than anybody. Father, we just thank you that we found you. And, Father, I bless this church, and I bless this congregation, and I believe, God, that our best days as ministry and a church are in front of us. And glory be to your name, Jesus. Glory be to you. Let, let that anointing just rest on you right now. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, you've never, ever given Jesus a shot in your life. I'm telling you, just do it. It's not hard. It's an invitation. And I can lead a little prayer, but it's not a magic prayer. I'll do it. But it's not the prayer that fixes it. It's really a heart invitation. So say this with me, all of you, all in, all in here, everyone watching online, say, Lord Jesus... I come to you with no excuses. I need you in my life. So today, I recognize you as the only one that can give me eternal life. I invite you into my life. I want you to be my Lord. And as of today, because of this, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And heaven is my home in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, can you give the Lord praise now? Glory to God. You may be seated. It's funny, when I promise myself I'm going to finish faster, I never do. Maybe I should stop doing that. I was like, we'll be done by 11.30. Yeah, right. Where did the time go? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to open the iPad because you guys need to go. Okay, so quick update to uh, Cuba. We've already sent the money well, we sent the money for two. I'm in the process of, we, we were able to send that money for Yoel. He took that cash. And then the other one, um, we're going to send it. So we covered three. And because of your goodness, some of you moved us up a little bit. And we're already working on the number four, number five. And if you don't know what we're talking about, those of you watching me online, you're welcome to join us on this. We are um, beginning this project of paying pastor salaries in Cuba to, to help Yoel's team and the pastors um, group around him because all these guys work all the time, you know, because as you know, Cuba is in full survival mode. So by doing the support that we're doing, we, we get them in house, you know, they don't have to run around. And right now there's a lot of construction going on in the church and, and the farm. So by doing this, and it's like really not a lot of money. If you think in our terms, imagine if your salary was hundred dollars a month, you couldn't even get half a tank of gas. I was like, Oh my God. That, but hundred dollars a month, versus $15 a month, which they usually get, is a lot. And that doesn't mean they're going to be rich, but that means their life becomes a little bit better. So that's an ongoing project, but glory to God, I'm giving this as a praise report. This is not a fundraising pitch. It's just glory to God 
we, we did what we committed to. You know, Faith Exchange um, New York is also doing their part. So, again, thank you for, for everything that's Cuba. We're gearing up for the summer visit of the, the team. And, of course, so we're excited about it. So that was just an update. The other thing that's coming up really quick, and we'll, we'll have more information probably next week, is our VBS. And we want everybody to know it's going to be, we're going to do something completely different this year. And I, I go with the team. They, they bring the idea, and I think, I, say, I, I like it. We're doing something we've never done. We're doing one day, all day, big bash, boom, big explosion, one day, and we'll see how it goes. We're not doing three days. We're not doing, and by doing that, our, our, our church won't smell like little kid for a week. Anyway. No, we're just, we're just looking for dynamics. You know, here's the thing with VBS. Sometimes, if we're careful, we go back to the, the good old days, and, and we try to replicate the good old days, and it's not happening. Because the good old days had their anointing. And whatever it took to bring 300, and the most I think we had was like 350 kids one year, it was insane. Whatever it took...